two games this week. Only one point to show for it, but another overwhelming response from you guys with the comments. So we'll start with the Gillingham game. Henry Lewis says we gave away three goals in the first half that were completely unavoidable. Julie Warren adding that she thought we were too slow and too predictable. Lots of comments on the fullbacks with Andy Griffiths, Rich Hassel, Daz, all in agreement that they just weren't ready for this game and they couldn't cope with Gillingham. David thinks that there should have been a change of tactics to take into account the young lads being pressed. On a similar theme, Gross Point Antifa got in touch to say Richard's strength is not distribution, so that needs taken into account. Rad thinks the streak had to end somewhere, but it's still a hard loss. Josh Haywood agreeing, although adding it was a shambles of a night. Will Barnes said that defeat had been coming with a performance against Bristol Rovers and Wimbledon. Lots of people commenting on the performance, with Lewis saying it was the worst performance for a long time. Mark Bertels, Matt Snape and Jonathan Ditt are all in agreement. Forget the results, learn from it and quickly move on. One positive for Ben was Ant Evans. He looked good when he came on. Sticking with positives, Tim Green said he enjoyed the first five seconds and the last 15 minutes. Ben Benson also liked the Radio Kent commentary. That was the highlight for him. Moving on to Saturday's draw with Ipswich, Steve Grice says we really need to find a new way of attacking rather than depend on Kirk and Pickering. A draw was probably the fairest result, thought Ant Copeland and Dan Taylor, whereas Callum Cressford and James Hanley thought it was an opportunity missed. Graham Miles would have taken a point before, but at 1-0 thought it was too dropped. Grant thought it was a poor goal to concede. James Shirley thought we should have won it. That view was shared by two of our panellists, Aaron and Steve Dale, whereas Tim, he found himself bored for the first time this season. Pot and Joe Cosby both thought we were poor attacking-wise. Jack Jones agreeing, but thought we were mostly defensively solid. Max Bailey thought it was ironic that we were much better in the 1-0 defeat at Portman Road. David Caldwell had praise for Murphy and Beckles, but not really anyone else. Sticking with players, Alex6077 thought there were too many off the pace, and Ryan Hayward and Stuart Grimley both thought only one of the four wingers impressed, Charlie Kirk. Andrew Copeland agreeing with that, saying that none of the subs made any impact. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. We've got two games to review today and then two more to preview next week. So another busy pod. First of all then, we're going to need a panel. So let's introduce today's. First is Steve Hatton. Hiya Steve. Hello Stu, how are you? Good, cheers. Uh, Next we've got Russ Fern. Hiya Russ. Hiya, how are you? Still good. And finally we have Alex Irani. Hi Alex. Hi Stu, how are you? Have you changed in the past of being asked how are you twice? Uh, no, I do find this all very sort of like repetitive, though. Like, that's my thing. Right. Let's start on Tuesday night then in Kent. One to forget that, wasn't it, guys? Alex, we'll start with you. Yeah, it was a bit like crew of old, wasn't it? It was a howling gale. It was chucking down with wind. We had a side who stuck it up us and we just didn't fancy it at all. Um, I think it was, a, it was a learning curve, a steep one for the two fullbacks. Um, I don't think they'll get rougher rides, to be fair. So let's take the positives from that. Um, I thought the midfield badly let us down. I thought Lowry had his worst game he's had in a long while. Um, Finney, apart from missing three guilt-edged chances, didn't offer us much. Um, And Wintle looked like he's waiting for a championship club to come in and buy him. 
but yeah it was definitely one to forget but this you know i think i said it on twitter that reputable news source we actually lost 4-1 but if you think of finney had three golden opportunities to score they all missed that sitter after the break and i think evans had one late on we actually could have scored could have easily got four um but we just didn't look like stopping goals going in at our net and you know to an extent it was lucky it was only four but Finney scores after 30 seconds it's a different game and he probably should have scored after 30 seconds so whilst it is doom and gloom because we didn't play well and we got well beaten we still are we still need we're, we're still got the same problems haven't we even when we're not playing well and we're playing well we're just not good enough in either penalty box and it seems to always come back to that Okay, very thorough analysis there. Steve, a conversation Tim and I had before the pod last week was we said if the fullbacks were going to be Rio and Travis, then Steve Evans is going to fancy that. And that's exactly as it played out, wasn't it? I think their um, their pressing gave us all sorts of problems. And I think the two raw fullbacks didn't really help because they didn't have the experience and the nows to deal with it. Um, so effectively, I think they'll put even more pressure on the two centre-halves to, to find a way out. Um, and I think Evans, although he didn't target the full-backs specifically, that, that high pressure on us when we're trying to play out was undone because we didn't have the outlets we normally have. Because to be fair, the two of them didn't seem to cope with it, which put an awful lot of pressure on Beckles. And obviously he gave away possession for at least two of those three first-half goals. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you're right, Evans... Didn't specifically target them, but that high pressure really kind of showed their inexperience and lack of mouse, I think, in that game. Yeah, and it, it led to the first goal, that penalty, didn't it, Russ, with the uh, the foul from Travis Johnson. But it wasn't all his fault. It was just a comedy of errors building up to that point. Yeah, it was a, it was a dangerous ball. We were always taught as kids not to carry the ball across your own box. Beckles hammered it across the box, which uh, is a dangerous ball then for him to control. And as a young lad who has looked more often than not, looked like a rabbit in headlights. That was definitely shown there. He then fired a ball into a midfield man. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Lowry, who got caught. And then Travis clearly thought, I need to make up for that error. And it was just ridiculously clumsy. And also not surprising at all. And then, as Steve, you've just said there, it was all downhill. Beckles giving the ball away. Other players giving the ball away. Just sloppiness that we've sort of, We've seen have gone out of this crew side, but allowing it to sneak back in on uh, Tuesday, wasn't it? I don't know if anyone wants to jump yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah, you're bang on, Stu. It was just very sloppy. It was quite lethargic. I think sometimes, you know, we do play some lovely football, but I think we do admit, you know, when you build out from the back, if you are sloppy in those areas, it could well cost you a goal. You know, if you smash it long and you're sloppy, the percentages are in your favour. So I don't know whether there is an element of well, actually, we are looking sloppy. We're not looking particularly smart and clever with the ball. Shall we go longer? But it was almost like, no, we play this way, come wind, rain or snow. Um, and ironically, it was raining. And we just, you know, doubled down. We're playing out from the back. We're playing out from the back, regardless of, you know, the, I suppose, discomfort the fullbacks looked in doing it. Um, so I do wonder whether we were slightly naive and just maybe a bit, stubborn in what we were doing because the conditions really sort of suggested don't play that way um, because it's not conducive to the way you want to play but we doubled down and I mean there's an argument that if we took our chances you could argue we might have got out of there with a point but 
we were well beaten in my opinion and the result was didn't flatter us didn't flatter them so I think what I noticed was I forced myself to watch the extended highlights of it in in the name of the pod obviously and um the Gillingham other than two long throws and a header they didn't create anything else and we gave we gave them three opportunities to, to score um, and other than that, there was a header that Richard saved and two long throws. They didn't generate and create anything else from open play other than when we gave them the ball in dangerous areas. And, and that's the thing. If you then take it out of, take that out and go longer and try and, you know, get it up the pitch and then start playing your football. Yeah, if they nick it off you there, let them go the full length of the pitch trying to create something. Now, they might go the full length of the pitch in one pass and get in behind. But I think I'd rather take your chances with that then trying to knock it around you know in your far, in your own third and try and play out when we were just seemed incapable of doing it I wouldn't want to um, hit it long though the team we have because I don't think Chris Porter was winning any headers albeit he had no no service whatsoever but I, he, he, when he did he never looked like he was going to win that much Owen Dale can jump like a gazelle but he's not going to win any headers really it's definitely against Steve Evans back line but Kirk doesn't win headers does he really so if we were just hitting it long it's going to be the same outcome because it's just going to come straight back. Yeah, it's going to come back from the halfway line, not the six-yard box or whatever, wherever we kept losing it. But it's just going to be the same outcome. You're not, you're not hitting it long to, to win that first header. What you do if you then hit it long is, obviously, it would go to Port. They'd have to hit it towards Porter because you had Kirk and Dale who aren't going to win you many headers. What you've got to do is they've got to play narrower and then you you have your midfield further up the pitch. So if Porter's winning the header, one of the two wingers can get on it. But if not, you've then got your midfield trying to pick up that second ball. And then you can start pressing them from there. And even if you don't win the second ball and Gillingham do get hold of it, you're then applying the pressure in their half of the pitch rather than bringing your pressure on. So it's not necessarily, a, oh, it's going to come straight back at us. And, you know, there could be times where it does, don't get me wrong. But I just think if you then just tweak the way you play slightly, um, you can get away with it. And, what that allows, if you do it in a certain way, and I'm no football expert, it's just how I envisage it working. You're in the wrong place then, Alex. Huh? You're in the wrong place if you're not a football expert. Yeah, then. sorry, I don't know how, how I managed to burgle my way on here. Um, but if your wingers tuck in and try and win those flick-ons from the striker, your width has then got to be provided in the fullbacks. So where Rio and Travis were struggling in their defensive third, well, actually, hopefully they're higher up the pitch, so they're, they're not going to be in that sort of battle that, that they found themselves in. So it's just that different way of potentially looking at it. Now, we have found our success over the past 18 months by playing from the back, by building from the back. You know, some of the goals we've seen, there's the Carlisle one with Tuma last year that immediately springs to mind. I think we scored a really good one against Scunthorpe three days previous. We play that way. Maybe a division above, pissing down with rain. Sorry, family podcast. Tipping down with rain. Steve Evans' opposition. You've just got to be a bit more savvy. And we just seem to sort of, we play this way and we double down on it. That's just my view. And it might be that we could have done what I say we could have done and they could have won 6-1. God knows. But it clearly wasn't working what we were doing and it seemed like there had to be a plan B. Yeah, I'm going to move on from the fullbacks and, you know, the style of play now. I think it's fair to say, though, that neither of them had their best game, but we have seen them both play better. So I wouldn't be writing them off. I think, you know, as I've seen lots of crew fans say on social media that, this is what we do. We bring them through. They're not immediately world beaters, but they become better players by playing in the first team. So it's certainly uh, been a tough start, but I imagine they'll probably both learn a lot from that game. 
I think they'd learn more from that game than they would a stroll of a 2-0 home win. Yeah. Um, One player then who has gone through that process, who um, I think Alex mentioned before as part of the midfield, I personally thought it was the worst game that I'd seen him play, but then I thought he struggled in the home game against Wimbledon the week before. Steve, was Ryan Wintle. Do you agree? Was that a one-off? What do we think? I thought he was he was really poor in both those games. And I was really, after Gillingham, I was kind of pushing for give him a rest, play Murphy in that role on, on Saturday, because that to me is the role that Murphy is probably going to be better in in that midfield. But as it happened, I know we're going to talk about the Ipswich game in due course. I thought he was better yesterday. He's not back to what he was, but it's the better, better game of the three that he's had. And he looked a bit more on it. I think on I went. Tuesday at Gillingham, he was very casual. He was just constantly playing the ball back without even really paying too much attention and seemed very lethargic and lackadaisical. But uh, I wanted him dropped. But fair play, he was a bit better yesterday, I thought. Ross, do you put that down to tiredness, uh, horrible pictures at this time of year, really muddy, boggy? I mean, I saw some people saying that he down tools and that was it. He was off and he wanted to go and he wasn't going to play for us again until we, he got, you know, he wasn't going to play until he got a move. I don't. I can't see it being that one. I don't think he's. Well, I don't think he's going to leave in January, and I don't think he's the kind of person who's going to down tools if there is an offer coming his way. Um, I think you can put it down to. I think if he played every minute of every game so far, something like that, or almost every minute of every game. I think yeah, of every league game at least. Yeah, in that in that role, he does a lot of running, does a lot of screening, does a lot of tackling. Um, it's gonna it's gonna get to your legs at some point. So whether whether Steve's right and he needs a rest is you know, I mean he was better against Ipswich, but he wasn't back to full capacity, if you know what I mean. Um he looked tired, but then the rain, the wind, the high press, the sort of maybe not trusting Travis and Rhea. I know we we're trying to get away from the fullbacks, but when you've got two weaker links, you sort of might that might play on your mind and you might play within yourself or you play better than yourself, you know what I mean? But um I think it's a, a lot of things went into one and it just didn't work for him where he was passing it backwards and he wasn't turning on the ball and driving forward. We saw in the Ipswich game he drove forward and he got better. Um, maybe maybe he needs a rest. I wouldn't be adverse to taking him out uh, from Murphy, like Steve said. To so, I mean, during that game, Chris Porter scores his first league goal of the season. Barely a ripple. Um, Steve, were you still paying attention at this point? Actually, I was because, like, like Alex said earlier, we—it sounds ridiculous—but we had enough chances to take a point from that game. And if Dale sticks that one in just after half time, I'm thinking, is this Rochdale in reverse? Are we going to make a comeback here? Um, and we actually generated and created more chances in that game than we did yesterday against Ipswich. And I'll accept that we were against a team who were three 0 up and maybe coasting, but. I was still with it because I thought if we get one here, we're, we, we're creating enough chances to, to nick some more. But um, in the end, no. We can score goals, can't we? We we I mean we miss a load of chances as well, but we can actually score goals. So I thought if we get one back a bit earlier than we did, maybe then then there's no reason why we couldn't do the a reverse Rochdale, as I hope we're going to call it forever now. Well, call me a cynic, but can we sort of score goals like Ipswich one goal? Gillingham, one goal. Wimbledon, one goal. Plymouth, one goal. You know, we score, and then Rochdale, obviously, we got three. But we've not really sort of been that side that has scored threes, fours regularly this season, if at all. 
Um, so, and, and, and don't get me wrong, we should we could be hitting those numbers because we create plenty. You know, I've even had... against Gillingham, yesterday was as least creative we've been. And, you know, one was probably the peak of what we should have got. I don't really, I can't think of many other clear-cut chances we had yesterday. I think I agree with you, Alex. I think about a month ago, I had this thought that we were just absolutely going to wallop someone, four, five, six, nil, and it never happened. And then now... I definitely feel like we've lost our mojo as a team. Like we're not playing with the same spark. We're not playing with the same verve that we were playing in December and November. I think January has been a real struggle for crew. I don't know whether it's legginess, tiredness and playing all these games. We haven't got a big squad. You know, we've got players that can come in, but we haven't got a massive squad. I don't know. And I just don't, I think I agree. I don't think that we are going to score lots of goals anytime soon. I'd like to be proved wrong, but I just don't see it at the moment. I could see it happening in maybe a 10-minute flurry at the end of a game with a bit of luck and a bit of a bounce and momentum going our way. I don't think just because we've scored one goal in a few other games that that rules out the fact we could score three in ten in, in three and ten minutes at the end of a crazy game that we'd seen on Gillingham. We did get a message off uh, Steve Davis's brother ask, or saying that you know he was happy it wasn't him that was going to try and cover that game this weekend. So I feel like we did a good job there uh, talking about a 4-1 defeat. We'll move on to the home game against Ipswich on Saturday then. Now, one thing that was um, became clear before kickoff was five changes. So Dave Artell making lots of changes there. Uh, most crew fans happy that Mika Mandron's come in, Harry Pickering's come back in, Billy Jones has come back in. Uh, and then two that may have been a bit of a surprise, Murphy coming in for Lowry, although based on how Lowry played on Tuesday, maybe not. And Walker playing for Dale. Um were you happy to see those players coming in, Russ? Yes. Yes, I predicted Walker in for Dale. A lot of people wanted Evans in, but I thought we trust Walker. We've seen what Walker can do. He came on as well against um, Gillingham and looked decent, so give Walker a go. Dale, we've been saying all season, players need rest. Give Dale a rest. So I was happy to see Walker. wasn't happy to see Walker coming back out for the second half, to be honest, because I thought he was terrible in the first half. But to see him start was good. I think Lowry, as we've said, was awful against Gillingham. So give Murphy a go. It's going to be more of a rough and tumble game again against Ipswich. So um, get him in the midfield. And he thought he played fairly decent. Um, Mika Mandron, man, he just he offers so much more than Porter up top. I'm not a Porter basher. I do like quite like Porter, but maybe not as much as Tim likes Porter. But Mika Mandron offers so much more. You see, for the goal, the goal we scored, Porter's not doing that. Porter's not holding off three players and then somehow squeezing a ball through for Ryan Wintle to go and charge on with it. He's never doing that. So it's great to see Mandron back. Um, and then the fullbacks, they're, they're massive. Harry Pickering, it wasn't his best game, I didn't think, from Harry Pickering, but just him him at a six is better than any of our, any of our other options at left-back. So it was incredible to see him back. And then Billy Jones, he was okay. He wasn't as good as he was the other week, I didn't think, but he was fairly solid and he was he was fairly decent. Before I move away, the first point Russ made there about Steve Walker, have I got anyone that's going to offer any defence of Walker yesterday? Or best, least said about it, the better. The only person that could offer a defence of him is someone who didn't watch the game. Yeah. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so, yeah, we saw what he could do last season. Yesterday wasn't quite it, was it? It's his first game back. You know, I'm happy to give him the, let him get into his stride. He's not going to hit the ground running, so that's fine. So about two or three minutes ago, I said that, you know, that our attacking verve seems to have disappeared somewhat. Um, I didn't really think either team offered much, in that, especially in that first half. I don't know if you'd agree with that, Steve. I thought it, in general, 
it was a really forgettable 90 minutes of football. And in the end, a draw was a fair result because neither side to me offered much. We, we, we played some pretty football at times. We looked threatening down the left at times, but actually didn't really create anything other than a few balls that flashed across the goal. Um, and I think you're right, that attacking kind of Brio and Verve we used to have at the moment isn't quite there. And we seem to be in a bit of a poor spell of form. But if a poor spell of form means we'll pick up a point rather than a defeat, then I'll take it until we get our confidence and, and, and Verve back in that attacking third. Yeah, I mean, there is that, isn't there? We did draw at home to Ipswich. You know, they are a big team, as Graham McGarry made very clear on commentary yesterday. He was clearly stocking up to the uh, the away fans that he knew were listening, I felt. Um, but I don't know. We are only, what, is it three points off the playoffs? We're in, we're in February, we'll be three points off the playoffs. We're doing well, but it just doesn't feel like we're doing well based on the performances. And I don't want to be overly critical because we are in a good position. I don't know, Alex, am I being overly critical or am I being fair? I think you're being fair. I think, you know, there's two ways of looking at it. Perspective, one bit of perspective is this time last year, you know, we were reading ourselves for a trip to Walsall. Look how we've progressed since then. We are now moaning about a point at home to Ipswich. But... I actually think the perspective I've got is, well, having seen what we're capable of and how we've competed, you know, we've now set our standards higher. We should be hitting those standards. So that's why people are disappointed. I think if you'd have offered fans this at the midway point of the season or however long into the season we are, they'd, they'd obviously be delighted. But I still feel there's room for improvement. And I think the reason why people do look at it in that critical way is these are the good times. Let's be honest. NG has gone pickering potentially is on the way out. Wintel's contract up. You know, this is probably our Everest and our best shot of going as high as we can for a considerable amount of years. Hence why people want more. So, yeah, you, I think we're entitled to be critical, but at the same time, we, we should be quite grateful for, for where we find ourselves. You can be grateful and critical, though. You can be just so happy to be in this situation where we're three points off the playoffs. But the fact that we know we can play better than we've played in the last seven games or whatever... If we had the, if we like we say, if we had that attacking verve back to us, we could be fifth, fourth. I don't necessarily think it needs that attacking verve. I think yesterday was a prime example of a game where one goal should have decided that game. And we got that goal and we still found a way to not win that game. And there's been several games like that where we just need to be, and you know, people are going to get fed up with me coming on this podcast and saying we need to be more savvy, but it comes back to it. The two penalty boxes is what is killing us. Um, it killed us Tuesday because Gillingham only played in their box to defend and then smash up the other end to our box. And yesterday, the other example, it was another example where we just didn't defend our penalty box. That's cleverly with 15 minutes to go and we cost ourselves a goal. So that's ultimately what it's come, going to come down to, what it comes down to for me. You're not going to play this brilliant attacking verve. And I suppose this time of year is when you might struggle to play it. You've got to find a way to win games of football like yesterday's. And we should have, but we didn't. Yeah, let's talk about the Ipswich goal then. Because, Rush, you've mentioned the Charlie Kirk goal. So we'll move on to the Ipswich goal. Now, Ollie Lancashire's done a lot of good things this season, hasn't he? He's earned a lot of um, trust back from the crew fans, a lot of respect. Steve, you were one who was sort of more worried about him playing in the first team than others on here, I think, uh, especially after that Portsmouth game. 
had he earned himself back into good favour before yesterday? I thought he'd done really well. Um, he's he's not Beckles, but he's a decent partner for Beckles. Um, the tackle that he put in yesterday in the first half was, to me, was the highlight of the first half because he absolutely went for it and he got the ball and he smashed Edwards up in the air. That was brilliant. And I thought, yeah, he's really on it. And then... I'm not really sure. Was he trying to chest it back to the keeper? Was he trying to chest it out for the corner? Was he trying to chest it out, take a touch and then get rid? Really, that should have just been launched. And it's almost like because of his run of decent form, he was a bit overconfident and he was trying to overplay there when really the option is you're in your six-yard box pretty much, get rid. But in all fairness to him, um, I think that's the first real cock-up that he's made that's cost us anything since he's been back into the team. So I think he's he's built a bit of credit, so I'll, I'll stick with him for a while. Was it a yeah. chest or was it a shoulder? He's trying to chest it back. I'm convinced he's trying to chest it back. Mm. If you look at the angle of the cross, the goalkeeper's always going to be coming towards him. So he's got to really get his body in an odd position to be able to get it back to the goalkeeper. It was just a brain fade. And it comes back to that 15 minutes to go get it clear and then set up from the clearance. So even if it goes into the main stand, all right, right, set up. We know what we need to do from this set piece. He's just got, I don't know. It's disappointing because he has done very well, but it was a mistake in it. I think he'd want it back given the opportunity. Yeah. And I think the only other thing we've not mentioned yet is their red card. I'd forgotten he'd been booked. I think the two commentators had forgotten he'd been booked. I don't think the crew players had forgotten he'd been booked. And that's why they were a lot more animated than I thought they should be just for a yellow card. But we didn't, I mean, we didn't have a lot of time, but it didn't really help us in, in the way a red card can and sometimes does help teams, did it, Russ? No, they shot up shop, didn't they? They thought, let's just get home with a point. Um, I mean, it's a point from from a losing position as well for them in the end, isn't it? So they'll be happy with that. Um, it was a ridiculous decision by Teddy Bishop to do that foul, do you not think? I thought, just, it's so deep in our heart that there was no need to really sort of go in for that challenge. I know Murphy won the ball off him, but um and then it was sort of after a bit of afters, but it didn't help. They sat back. But then I don't think we looked had any intensity whatsoever after that event. I don't know what, how you lot feel, but I feel we just we looked we looked happy with the draw as much as they looked happy with the draw. And then everything just sort of fell apart and we were just knocking it around the back and not actually trying to get a goal. I thought we looked devoid of ideas. And it's the second game. I mean, Plymouth's a bit different because they only had about six minutes. But it's the second game where the opposition have lost the player and kind of showed us how you should manage that situation because Plymouth didn't give us a sniff for those six minutes. And um, uh, Ipswich didn't give us a sniff yesterday, did they? As Russ said, they just shut up shop and we just didn't know what to do. Yeah, and then it sort of it all ended quite obviously in a 1-1 draw. Um, and then, Russ, you sort of sent a message out to us yesterday saying seven games... You know, the unbeaten run went on Tuesday and it, it was a fairly long, good unbeaten run. But last seven games, one win, five draws and one defeat. And you sort of want to know, does that is that good or is that not good? And I mean, it's not good, is it? I mean, five draws. We're not losing games, but we're not winning games either. I did a poll. I did a poll, slightly changing your questions a little bit. I did a poll last night. Um, Craig's fans, how are you seeing it? One win in seven being glass half empty or one defeat in 12? being glass half full and the majority by 58% to 42% are saying one defeat in 12, which is optimistic. Looking at it at an optimistic point of view, I'm, I'm more inclined to look at it as one win in seven, which is a bit, 
bit meh, but then five draws is is okay. I think we're not in brilliant form, but as we we keep saying, not losing these games is is pretty good. Is it? Was there enough people that it made it statistical relevance or? Well, participated or, or what? Are we we counting this as something that that we can we can hang our hat on. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I like that confidence. I rate that. A lot of time for that. Russ, briefly, just before we move on to this week's coming upcoming games, then how's the relationship in the Fern household with the oh. uh, the other half? Well, all of her family are from Ipswich, but on her dad's side, um, they haven't they haven't contacted me. The nan has contacted her and laughed at me because of my confidence at 1-0. Um, it's not great, but it'll when we beat them next season, because neither of us are going up, when we beat them next season, everything will be fine. Okay, well, I'm going to move away from the games that we just played on the news that Russ is being bullied by his girlfriend's gran. Yes. So in a second, we'll be back to preview this week's games. Okay, so Tuesday night then, we are away at Shrewsbury and due to the postponement in late December, they are the last team that we've due to play in the league this season. I haven't got an opposition fan to come on today for Shrewsbury. As we spoke to Ollie from the Salopcast uh, podcast at the end of December and they've only played three games since then. They were beaten by Southampton in the Cup, they were beaten by Sunderland in the league, but they did beat Peterborough on Saturday. Steve, they're going to be another tricky game, aren't they? I think they are. They, although they do have um, for where they for their current run of form, their home form isn't that great. Um, although obviously they, they defeated Peterborough yesterday, uh, tricky. I saw they they got a lad on loan from um, from Blackburn who scored two goals yesterday, and I think they've got a couple of other players. And obviously things have been tough because I think Steve Cotterill's still in hospital with um, with COVID. So I think um, Will Graham's kind of looking over things, but they're. It's going to be a tough game, really tough game. Perhaps not as tough as it was when it was initially scheduled because their form isn't quite as good. And they're not that great at home, but it's it's going to be tricky with the current kind of, I think, confidence level in, in our side at the moment. I'm glad you brought up about how tough it would be compared to the other time because when we were due to play them, I remember uh, Ollie, the guy that came on, he was very confident. They were on a very good run. They'd beaten Lincoln, they'd beaten Doncaster. I think they'd beaten Blackpool as well. They were on a very good run of beating teams towards the top of the table. So, Alex, would you rather have played them then when, we, when they were on a good run or would you rather play them now that they've had this long rest? Which would you rather have had? Tomato, tomato. You've got to play everyone twice in the league. Doesn't matter when you play him, when you play him, you play him. And um dramatic, isn't he? Cutting insight there from Alex Girani <laughs> as ever. You're splitting hairs. We've got to play them at some point. Yeah, well, would it be better here? Would it be better now? You know, the argument is we play them at the start of January, we're both in better form. We play them now, we're both in poorer form. I think ultimately it's who's who is the better side on the day is gonna is gonna prevail, as is the case 90 times out of hundred in football. There are those occasions when the poorer side can uh, prevail as we know having seen that at Ipswich earlier on in the season for, for example but I wouldn't worry about it we're playing it on the Tuesday they've had a bit of a rest but we've got in some fresh faces online so let's see okay yeah so I think it is quite difficult to know what we're going to face but uh, moving on to our Saturday game then as I said Peterborough they did um, lose on Saturday to Shrewsbury um, 
And it's going to be another tricky game, just like when they came to Gresty Road. Now, looking back at that game, we probably didn't expect to get three points in that game, did we? When they came, they were top of the league. But the Harry Pickering goal, the free kick, and then Charlie Kirk intercepting that pass to run through, that was, a, that was possibly one of our best results so far this season, Russ? Um, yes, definitely. I was trying to think then if it's maybe the best result and... With a terrible memory, I'm not going to say it's the best result, but it's definitely up there. I don't think I mean, it was one of the it was one of those games where we were playing everyone who we played was at top of the league, wasn't it? Um, so to actually to pick up three points against them is is very good. Um, it was a proper crew performance as well. Some nice goals. I know. We, I mean, we got lucky with the uh, with the Charlie Kirk one because it was a terrible pass to him. But we then we then stuck it out as Alex has been saying about the Ipswich game. We then showed the capabilities to ride out with three points against a better side, arguably. Um, definitely, definitely one of our better games. I don't think necessarily we're going to have the same um, look against them at the weekend, though. OK, maybe giving away your prediction uh, coming up in a minute or two. <laughs> um, so they did lose, like I said, on Saturday. But, Steve, that was their first defeat in the league since December the 5th. They're going to be itching for revenge as well, aren't they, I imagine? Yeah, yeah. Um... I was looking at their team yesterday. They, they seem to play with three centre-halves and then a, a forward and two. They got Smodix and the guy they got from Grimsby behind, playing behind him, whose who's name... Um, Dembele. Yeah, I think that's him, yes. Yeah. Um, Dembele. Yeah, and so they've got lots of threat going forward. I think they're quite strong at home. Our record at London Road is dreadful. I've checked. We haven't won there since 1994. Admittedly, we haven't played them that much since then, but we've not won since '94. Um, I don't want to give away my prediction, but um, I fear for us going there at this point in time. What was the score when Chucks and Ek scored a couple of goals against them? Lost four-two. Yeah, lost. Oh, I just don't remember them scoring at all. Yeah, it's it's like, I wouldn't. You weren't even old enough to have a drink, so I don't know why you wouldn't remember it. <laughs> I've got a terrible memory. <laughs> That was the only time I think I've been to Peterborough's ground. And uh, my memory of that place was their seats are not built for someone who is six foot two. Uh, I had about half an inch of space between me and the chair in front of me. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty pony away end. I don't know if they've moved the fans to be on the goal since they've built that stand, though. Well, they've moved them out of the ground, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're in my living room nowadays. <laughs> You're you're so hard to what I do without you. <laughs> give up my time, give up my time to come on this podcast and just get taken the mick out of. Brilliant. Right before Alex leaves, we have been joined by James from the Posh Report again to give us their perspective on the game coming up on Saturday. So I'm joined now by James from the Posh Report. Hiya, James. Thanks for coming back on. No, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be back. Um, we'll start, if we can, with the uh, game at Gresty Road. I think it was back in November. Uh, it finished with a 2-0 win for the Alex. What was the perspective from yourself? What was the posh point of view from that game? Yeah, so I think from a posh point of view, very disappointing game. Um, one of the things we've seen so far this season compared to last season is, in part because Tony's left, but I think maybe as well the lack of fans and and a cover of other factors. The posh press hasn't been anywhere near as effective as it was last year. Um, I think we saw that in that game in that crew really dictated the ball, dictated possession, controlled the game with the ball. 
um, maybe didn't create as many chances as they could have done, but took their two chances. And it always felt that if they hadn't, if they had wanted to attack more, they could have, they could have maybe scored a couple more. It felt like crew were in complete control. Posh, when they did press, didn't press very coherently. It was too easy for crew, you know, to almost felt like they were toying with them, pulling them one side of the pitch and then playing out into space the other side. And, and yeah, that was that was one game, and that game really kickstarted quite a poor run of form for Posh in that. That was one of the first really poor performances of the season. And then after that, Posh went on a bit of a run whereby they weren't playing to anywhere near the levels that they that they had been. And they lost they did game immediately after that at home to Blackpool in, a, in another really abject display. Um, did win against Plymouth, but then lost in the cup uh, to Chorley in what was one of the worst performances in, in my memory. And then lost a game away to Wimbledon as well. Um, and then another game, they got absolutely outplayed by Portsmouth. So that game really kick-started a, a poor run of form that Posh had appeared to have recovered from until Saturday. Yeah, I was going to say uh, about Saturday, because I had a little look at your results. It's been going really well for you guys. Um, and then Saturday, lost to Shrewsby. Is that the feeling that you, is that the feeling that the, the fans have got, that the season is going quite well? Um, so I think the, I think the, the, the perception of this season has perhaps been shaped by what happened end of January last year. So uh, January last year, Posh changed formation, brought in a couple of signings in Brown and Smodix. And probably for the last 10 games before the season was curtailed, I, I have them as probably the best team in League One, not for the whole season, but for that very specific period. We're, we're beating top teams and outplaying them and look really sharp going forwards. And, and we're scoring a lot of goals. It looked a real threat, both in transition and, and look really solid at the back. And this year, they've not quite hit those heights. So sit fourth in the table. And how I describe the season is that not hit the heights that we've hit last season, but have maybe the, the, the level of like the B performances have been better than the B performances last year. And in terms of a lot of the games have been very tight, very close and posh. Posh have maybe nicked a lot of their wins through individual brilliance rather than really good team performances. Um, but then this weekend against Shrewsbury, put in one of the worst performances of the season. We looked really, again, a bit like against Crew, looked really disjointed there. Posh very rarely changed their plans to the opposition and just, just looked like crew, uh, looked like Shrewsbury had a better game plan than Posh did for the game and just didn't make any tweaks or changes to, to what Shrewsbury were trying to do. Um, but on, on the whole, it's been a, it's been a positive season. Um, a, a lot of those games that Posh have won, they've, they've battled really well and that's been something maybe they've not done in the past and, and have showed a lot of fight and desire. But again, that was maybe a little bit leggy and maybe missing on, on Saturday. So we're recording this on January the 31st. The transfer window closes tomorrow. Has there been anyone in, anyone out? Are you expecting anyone else in or out before the transfer window closes? So, so nothing. Just a couple of loans going out, lead to loans of like younger players or, or fringe players. And no, no players coming in and, and no big players going out. Um, I think the big area for Posh was... Uh, at the start of the window, Shriki Dembele, who's one of the star forwards, probably one of the better players in League One, handed in a transfer request. Um, for personal reasons, that was his family's up north. He's been linked heavily with Rangers and Celtic, and he's, he's definitely good enough to, to step up maybe into the championship, maybe into the, the SPL with, with one of those top teams. Um, but, but so far, whatever interest has been there either hasn't come anywhere near to the, the offer that they wanted or or the, the offers just haven't come in, the interest hasn't been been firm, been firm from other teams. So it looks like it's going to be a fairly quiet one. Um, 
Jack, Jack Taylor, a key central midfielder for Posh, went off injured yesterday. Uh, so there's been a couple of murmurings of potentially getting in a central midfielder, but that, that will very much depend on um, the extent of that injury. And, and, a, and I don't expect Posh to be that reactive, and especially because with the wage cap, there's very little wiggle room to get players in without even bombing players out of the League One squad or, or selling players. So we might see someone come in tomorrow. Posh did actually put in a bid for Max Waters before he went to Cardiff. Um, but it seems as though they're not going to recruit for the sake of it. If they do recruit, it would maybe be players they'd be looking to bring in in the summer, but have to bring in earlier. Okay, so I only had one other question, but you've you basically answered that in the, the answers you've already given. I was going to ask if there's been any tactical changes since we last played, but you've said that you don't really change the style, similar to Crew in that respect. So it should be the same sort of formation that we saw back at the game at Gresty Road then. Interesting one, that one. So... When I said they, they, so Posh have two primary formations. They have the back three that they played. So three, four, one, two, or some people call it a three, four, two, one with Dembele, who plays almost like a false nine dropping in between the lines. Um, and that's been very much the system Posh played with um, against Shrewsbury and have played quite regularly. But they also often switch to a four, two, three, one. Now, uh, the last 25 minutes or so on Saturday, they switched to a four, two, three, one um, and did play they play a little bit better and that was with their best spell in the game towards the end of towards the end of that game in, in terms of looking a bit more threatening on the ball and, and getting the ball into the final third more without really creating many chances. What we've seen from Fergie this year is he's quite reactive in his changes in that if he more changed for personal reasons or for, for reasons connected to Peterborough. So if they've not been playing well in one system, he'll change system, but not because of the opposition, but because of he feels he needs to change things to get more out of his team. So Given what we've seen in the past and when he's changed systems, I expect Posh to line up in a 4-2-3-1 rather than in the 3-4-1-2 that they've played uh, at Crewe and for most of the season. OK, so it's one of two, basically, is that's how it's going. Great. Thanks for that, James. Uh, I've got one final question for you then. Can I get a prediction for the game on Saturday? Yeah, sure. So... Um, I think, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. The reason I say that is, I'm not sure if, if you've seen or the people listening seen, the, there was a burst water pipe on the posh pitch in December and the plane surface is terrible. Um, really bobbly, really cut up, not much grass on the pitch. Um, I think that might hamper crew more than it hampers posh. Posh like to play out, but they're also, they're also quite happy to, to knock it into Clark Harris. And I expect to see posh going a little bit more direct than they have done in, in the game against Crew and, and in their away games this year where the pitches have been better. Um, so I'm expecting a tight, low-scoring affair. I'm going to go for a one or draw. Okay, wow. Yeah, I, I, I think from, I think from like a posh perspective, a lot of the games recently have been tight. They, they haven't perhaps been playing as well as the, like their position on the table suggests. They've not been playing poorly by any stretch. But I think maybe you see posh that high and, Maybe you think they've been playing a bit better than they have been, but a lot of the performances have been a bit of a grind, been a bit of a battle, nowhere near as fluid as they have been in, in, in the back end of last season. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at the position that they've been in being fourth in the table and think it's not a winnable game for Crew. Like it's going to be, a, it's going to be a tough game. I think it's a tough game for Posh. If it was at Crew, I'd make Crew favourites for the game just because, just because of um, the playing service not being as bad as it is at London Road. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see it being a very close game and that either team can win. Great. Um, thanks for that, James. I'm going to let you go. But thanks for coming back on.
No problem at all. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Okay, uh, prediction time then. Now, uh, last week we had Russ, Tim and James. Nobody predicted a Gillingham win and nobody predicted a draw on Saturday. So no points this week. Russ, that means that you move down to 0.57. Tim drops down from 1 to 0.88 and James drops down to 0.25 with one point from four guesses. Steve, because of that, you're now our new leader. You're on 0.91. Uh, can I get your prediction for Shrewsbury away? Um, ben, they haven't got a great home record. They're in decent form. We're in middling form. Uh, I think results come as a group, come as a pattern, 1-1. One, one. Okay. Alex, you're currently joint third with Steve Davis. You've both got 0.75. You've got identical records of six points and eight guesses. So can you go ahead with him with your Shrewsbury prediction? I am going to... Go against Steve. I think we're going to get a result. Uh, our Beckles is going to be a man mountain at his former club, and we're going to keep that elusive clean sheet. Um, and we're going to nick one at the other end as we always seem to score one and pinch a one nil win. Okay. And Russ, you were on our Shrewsbury preview show at the end of December. And as you wouldn't let people change their guesses for the Oxford game earlier in the season, you are not allowed to change your guess from the one nil defeat you predicted in December. Um, for the record, Steve Dale and Andy both went with 1-1 draws at that time, so we've got them in the mix as well. Moving on to Peterborough then. Russ, I am going to let you have a guess for this one. Yay. Um, oh, I don't want to be too negative because I've been forced into a 1-0 defeat at Shrewsbury. We'll go... I'm going to be negative. I'm going to go 2-0 Peterborough. Okay. Alex? 3-1 Peterborough. And Steve? Best home record in the division. Not won there for decades, 2-0 Peterborough. Okay, three defeats. I think that's the first time on this podcast that everyone's gone for a defeat. It almost okay. feels blasphemous predicting your own side to lose, doesn't it? Yeah. Points though, no. Yeah, they're doing pretty well, Peterborough. I don't think it's anyone will hold it against you. Yeah. Okay, um, so we've got two weeks left to get your donations in, to enter our uh, prize draw, to be eligible for the prize draw. I currently, I updated it this morning, I currently have 48 names in the hat, which is amazing. Crucially though, you guys who have donated have also raised £612 for bone cancer research, which is just incredible. So thank you for that. Um, Alex, you'll be back on the pod, I think in the two weeks time when we draw the winners. So we're gonna make sure we come up with something good, well, a good way to make that happen, aren't we? Yes, I presume we, we are. <laughs> and, and just so we're clear as well, you've sort of since changed yours. So if someone wins and it's from your uh, donation, you are not necessarily going to give them a shirt. If they don't want a shirt, you're going to give them the cash value of what a shirt would cost to spend in the club shop. That right, yeah? Yeah, the I, I realised after offering a shirt that the club actually do vouchers. So I'm going to give them a voucher. The winner of whatever, however we do it, um, will be, it'll be a £50 voucher at the club shop. So I presume that covers a, a kit nowadays. Um, uh, a shirt's 42 on the site at the there moment. There you go, an eight quid um, for whatever is in the bargain bucket. A new badge to go along yeah. with your new shirt, maybe. Yeah, so um, a 50 quid voucher will be, will be my offering, but it's a great amount that people are raising for a really worthwhile cause. If you've not entered and, and want to, please do. Um, it's it's for a good cause, as, as we've said. 
Yeah, I echo Alex's sentiments there. Um, I will, as I have been doing recently, enter the um, website into the bio of this podcast to check. Uh, to, sorry, to add in if you haven't already, and you can do so. One last thing then we should talk about, guys, is we're recording Sunday afternoon. Uh, it looks like Harry Pickering is on his way to Blackburn. Have we seen this story, guys? Yes. Yes. What's going on, Russ? Well, I don't know how, I don't know the fee because no one gets told fees. It tells, no one's get, ah, no one gets fees anymore. That's a hard thing to say somehow. Um, but what is it, 600,000 on the, the the supposed release clause? Uh, and then a, a nice chunky sell-on fee, apparently, which a percentage, which is, which is exactly what we want because we think everyone expects him to be able to move past uh, Blackburn when, when that time comes um and the most interesting part of it is loaned back well the most interesting part is the sell-on fee but another interesting aspect of it is um getting loaned back for the rest of the season which would be nice because i don't think rio well no one really thinks rio's quite ready to play for the rest of the season if we have any hopes of sort of trying to break into that top seven um so i think having pickering back for the for the rest of the season i'll tell clearly really likes him he's i think did he say something about how he how he watches training after he's meant to have finished or something like that? He's a clearly a footballing man. So I think if he did come back on loan, I don't think he's the type of player to not put in 100% effort for the club, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So it sounds to me like we're getting as good as we're going to get. He's going, but he's staying and we're getting some money and we're potentially going to get some money in the future. Alex, we can't really ask for more, can we? No, I think it's... I think it's a good deal all round. I think Tony Mowbray will be a good manager for him as well when he does get to Blackburn. Um, I think it's important that, you know, when you move players on who have got that sell-on that we think Pickering's going to have, that they go to a club where you think that can be realised. Um, so I'm, I'm pleased that, that Mowbray will be there. I think he'll develop him. Um, they've got Douglas on loan to the end of the season, so it sort of makes sense for it, for them because it will... They had to come away from the deal, didn't they, in January because it got too extortionate. That's clearly the loan back option has meant we've changed the terms of it, which has made it workable for them. So I think it's in everyone's interest for it to get done. I think I think if there is no playoff push and we're in April, there might be an agreement that Pickering doesn't necessarily play every game because there is the risk of injury. Um, and the club sort of say to him, no problem, we want to bring Rio in anyway. So And if there is a playoff push, then you, you can play the better player. So I think it's win-win all round and we've still got six more months of him. So it's not like you need to have an emotional goodbye where you wish him good luck um, like we did with Perry. Um, it's OK, you still ours for six more months. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, I was going to say exactly that, Steve. It's not quite goodbye then yet by the sounds of it. Yeah, I agree. So if it, if it is true, it's a decent deal. And I think like Alex says, you know, we can keep, we can keep Pickering in the team um, if we're floating around safely in mid-table towards the end of the season. It just allows us to bed Rio in in a kind of low pressure situation. To be honest, that's a win-win all round, really. Okay, so yeah, not quite goodbye yet. Hopefully, we'll see him for a few more weeks, but we don't know. We're recording this Sunday. These deals haven't been officially announced yet. He could be gone, and that's it by the time we play Shrewsbury. Hopefully not. I think I speak for most, if not all, Crew fans when I say hopefully he'll be playing Tuesday night against Shrewsbury. Right, I've got one last thing then today. Um, Russ, you've mentioned to me before that you quite like listening to the ex-player pods because they're mostly uh, from players who are before your time. Yes. 
Steve, uh, you'd like to take a minute or so talking about a player that's slightly before my time. Yeah, um, Saturday marked the uh, anniversary of the uh, the untimely death of, of Dale Jasper, um, who was a great player for us, uh, one of my kind of heroes, really, when I was growing up in the 80s, um, late 80s, should I say, just to make that really clear. Um, he passed away um, last year, aged 56, um, and was a real key player for us in, in our first promotion under Dario. Uh, to me, as a as a young 16-year-old watching him, he was a really elegant and sort of stylish midfield player who collected the ball from the back and got us playing forward and was was very different to see in the hurly-burly of what was then the, the fourth division of English football. Um, I think it was his acquisition, along with a couple of other players, who probably got us promoted and took us from a middling team to a team that finished third that year and was a little bit unlucky not to finish higher. And I would argue that that promotion probably gave us the momentum that carried on into the 90s, that saw us going to the championship and into the noughties and our successes from there onwards. Um, I think he was a player a bit ahead of his time, actually, and he was kind of underappreciated by some Alex fans at the time. And I think he might be more appreciated now in, in 2021 for the way he played. If you didn't get to see uh, Dale play, he's a kind of a Ryan Wintle would be the kind of closest comparison I would have in the present team. Although I would suggest that Jasper had perhaps a greater passing range, but maybe didn't get around the pitch and wasn't as mobile as Ryan Wintle. And I know that um, a year ago, the Alex fans paid tribute to him at Walsall. Obviously, we're unable to do that at present. So I just wanted to mention year's anniversary, one of the great players we had playing for us in the uh, late 80s. Thank you, Steve. Uh, yeah, he was slightly before my time, late 80s. I'd start going around then, but not a name I remember sort of hearing about from my dad or whoever it was that, you know, talking about crew. But I was in that Warsaw crowd last season, uh, and I do remember the round of applause that he got, and it was quite clear that he was quite a popular guy amongst the crew fans for the people who did remember him and did see him play. So thank you, Steve. Right, I think that will do us then for today. Thanks, as ever, to Steve, Russ and Alex for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Monday to discuss the two away games coming up this week. And until then, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue moon.